This is the story of... Stephen Saro from Unteachers. The happiest man in the world. I'm interjecting. My opinion matters. And you're listening to Discography Discussion. Don't go anywhere. Dude, you did not tell me you were going to do that. I tend to describe music in really oddball ways, and so it's hard sometimes to like put that into the podcast like in a way where people are going to understand. <laughs> right, yeah. And if you describe music in very oddball ways, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe, that is Dan, this is Steven Sorrow of Unteachers and Tantrum of the Muse, and we're talking about <laughs> Paramecium. We've gone doom metal, ladies and gentlemen. We have. We don't go doom metal nearly enough on this show. Hey, if you just say I'm Jeff, do you think that people will notice the voice difference? I mean, uh, I, yeah, we could try, will. but I'm not sure it would be successful. <laughs> I, know, I know one guy that would notice. <laughs> Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> feel like, what the fuck, guys? Right, yeah. right. So, um, Paramecium. Paramecium is a doom metal band from Australia. You may know them as the band that Jason Turlock joined whenever he was done with Mortification. He had left Mortification before post momentary Affliction actually hit the shelves. So okay. yeah, 93-ish. So that interview where Steve Rose like, yeah, and then Jason went off and did different music. He's talking about Paramecium. He is, yeah. Okay. There were other things in there, but Paramecium is like the main thing people would know for gotcha. sure. So my own personal history with the band is that I didn't even know they existed or were a thing. Until, I guess, about 2003. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, and my my dad and I, we actually went to this flea market in our local area. It's unfortunately no longer there anymore, but there were these two dudes that were, like, stoned completely out of their minds <laughs> that used to sell metal CDs at the, at the flea market. Right. I saw this uh, CD that had, like, a gravestone on it, you know, like an angel weeping or whatever, and it said paramecium exhumed of the earth on it. And I remember being kind of weirded out by it because, like, at that time, I was kind of like a like a hardcore kid, you know? wasn't I liked death metal, but it wasn't, like, my go-to thing. And I was intrigued by this because I opened it up and, like, there were, like, you know, a few references to, like, Christianity and, like, the Bible stuff in it and... That was what I was really into at the time, and so I, I really, uh, I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'll, I'll get this. And I remember at first the guy didn't want to sell it to me because he was like, oh, I, you know, I heard a little bit off of this, and I, you know, I kind of want to listen to it for myself before I buy it, before I sell it. And I was like, well, you know, you put it on the seller table, so a true capitalist <laughs> work, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. And you put, you put, you put a four dollar price tag exactly. on it. So yeah. I bought it for like four dollars at the flea market. And then a really weird change of behavior when we were leaving, my dad was like, let's pop it in, see what it sounds like. Your dad? Yeah, because I guess he was curious as well. Wow. And he, you know, so we put it in and he appreciated that, you know, the first few riffs were like really heavy and slow. And he said that it sounded like Black Sabbath. That's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, there was the operatic singing at the beginning of this first song. Uh, which is called The Unnatural Conception. It's just like a 17-minute song. I remember I was just like trying to get over, like, because this is weird, because I'd never really heard anything like this before. And uh, I wouldn't really even say that I knew what doom metal really was that year, you know? Like, um, yeah. it was a different thing for me. And so 
I remember my dad was like, he really liked the operatic singing or whatever. But then whenever the actual vocals for the band kicked in, which was just like a guttural death metal growl. Your dad must have loved it. Yeah, I think he listened to the first song, which, I mean, credit to him that that was 17 minutes. I was going to say, he, the first song's like half the album, right? <laughs> yeah, like so that's probably like the most death metal he's ever heard in his whole life, you know? And uh, Is your dad a metal fan or... Like in context of like what your dad would be into, because my dad would absolutely hate every second of that album. Well, <laughs> you know, the weird thing about my dad is that he, because like, so we grew up really religious. I don't think that's something, I think that's something we've talked about on the podcast before, but like we were, we yeah. grew up, we grew up Pentecostal. And mm-hmm. so like that kind of like heavy music and stuff wasn't like allowed, you know, like you weren't allowed to listen to heavy music. Yeah, I'm, that's how it was for me too. I remember being a kid and going through my dad's old records, you know, like I, cause you're a kid and you're bored. And if it's raining one day, you're not going outside, you know, you're looking through the house for stuff. And I found a bunch of records that were his from back, you know, in the day. And like, it was like black Sabbath paranoid. And oh, like, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Like Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. And like, um, you know, like some Led Zeppelin records, some like cream records and, you know, Stuff, Gosh, stuff that I, I wish thought my was, dad had that stuff. Yeah, and so like that stuff that I thought sounded really cool. You know, he had like a lot of Sticks records and stuff. And I remember, I remember him handing me that Black Sabbath one, Paranoid, being like, "You can listen to this, but don't do it when your mom's around." You know, like <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. one of those, one of those things. You know, and so I did. You know, I, I I respected his wishes, and I still have a lot of those records actually at home. My dad had had kind of a little bit of a metal base. I mean, it's obvious that, like, he was around when metal became a thing. And so, like, with stuff like Sabbath, you have, like, these these slow, kind of slower-paced songs um, that are just more focused on, like, being heavy. Like, I think I think with Sabbath, it was, like, heavy blues, you know? So I think he, I think he heard that in Paramecium, you know, being, being a doom band, you know? He's like, I don't really like the singing on it. He goes, but this is pretty good. I mean, you know, how often do you buy a record randomly and, you know, one of your parents listens to it and says that, you know, that's pretty good. Like, that's pretty high praise coming from someone that, you know, really doesn't understand death metal or, you know, (laughs) anything like that. So, I mean, he called it singing. That's that's the first sign of him not realizing. (laughs) Right, for sure. So, you know, he wasn't into that, but like I was. I think the Sabbath connection is just that Sabbath was like the one band that, you know, I know Tony Iommi had the the finger missing thing. I had to learn to play differently and kind of invented that like power chord that's become synonymous with like sludge and doom. And I think it's just like any band that's got like that guitar edge to it immediately. Just people go, it's like a Sabbath-y heavy, right. <laughs> you know? Well, and Paramecium was interesting too because it didn't take me very long look, looking through the, the the booklet that came with the CD that, you know, there's the mortification connection with Jason Sherlock and I knew that name and, um, you know, it's like, oh, this is the guy that, that played drums on Scrolls of the Megaloth, you know? And so that was like a really big deal for me. And um, mm-hmm. and on this record, like, he really, he really killed it, you know, like, because this was, this was, I, I wasn't, totally on board with how slow it was because you know as a hardcore kid you know it's all about fast tempos and 
you know, in your face, you know, on the mic stuff. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I guess what really kept me listening to Paramecium was the vocals. Because their their singer Andrew Tompkins is like his vocals are so extreme. And if you look at if you look at the the year this came out, this was like nineteen ninety three. Which, you know, at the time you had death metal bands that had extreme vocals, but like I always felt like some of these Christian metal bands from that time period always had the most extreme vocals. Like just, just out out outrageous. Like there's a song on here called Injudicial, which is like uh, it's the second track on Exhumed of the Earth and it's like kind of a faster tempo song. Their version of fast, it's still really slow, but it's yeah, but fastest. like it, you know, it, it gave me the impression that like if this band sped up, they could kill you if they wanted to, you know. Yeah, um, that's that's one of the best things they've ever done. I'm, I love that song. Yeah, it's definitely the he- one of the heaviest songs I've ever heard. Yeah, it is heavy for sure. This 105 minute monster of a CD, to be perfectly honest with you, I love it, but I also kind of find it boring. Um, because oh, especially on this first record, like, I mean, I, I enjoy the, the heaviness of it. I enjoy how crushing it is. I enjoy, you know, the way the guitar tone sounds. Jason Sherlock's drumming is the most controlled I've ever heard him do. Cause this is a guy that's more or less known for just blasting it out, you know? Yeah. I mean, the thing about that, I mean... There, he, he he's always been for me he's always been known for his footwork like his double bass footwork has always been so clean and um i i always was under the impression of like if you're faster and you have really good clean footwork that that means you're better that's or that's harder and that's better right but i i think you know now understanding music a little more as at the age i am now i think there's something to be said about the fact that he was able to keep that clean drumming with something that was so down tempo you know like there's moments on exhume where he where he does some double bass work where it's actually it's actually like almost so slow that he's still doing double bass but it's the tempo so slow where you, you almost have it's almost to me, it seems almost harder to, to, um, it's almost like if you, if you can imagine like, uh, doing like a, on a, like practicing on a snare drum and you're just doing like a drum roll, like, dun, 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 if you do that for like five straight minutes, you might like start swaying on your tempos. You know what I mean? You, make, you might speed it up or you might slow it down. He just has this perfect timing that's so clean. And yet he still does those double bass piece of things. Like, I, his drumming's night and day from the other drummers that they've used. That's uh, just one of the main things I loved about Paramecium was just his drumming. It's still it still sounds like Jason Sherlock and that that drumming cleanness of his feet. That whether he's blasting or whether he's not, he still has a vibe. You can just tell it's him. You know what I mean? It requires a level of control that I think a lot of metal drummers don't have. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so that was interesting to hear from him. But actually, my favorite thing about Exhumed overall is the guitar tone. Me too. <laughs> and like, because it's it's not like overly depressing. Like, because there's a lot of doom bands where it's like they're just haunting you with the atmosphere. Whereas this was just brutal in its own way. Like, it's hard to describe music this slow as brutal, but like. It's one of those things where you almost have to hear it, which, I mean, if you're listening to this episode, you, you are hearing it, you know, but, like, it's 
it's really interesting to me, like how they were able to maintain it through you know 105 minutes. But at the same time, that is also why I find the record to be a little bit boring. Because like if you look at the first track, it's like 17 minutes, but like the first eight minutes or so, it's just them playing the same shit over and over and over again. And yeah, and again, it's not that it's not enjoyable to hear, but like to have that much of it. To me, the record didn't really start getting that interesting until like the last track, because at that point they'd just been doing the same thing for you know an hour, you know, or you know, fifty-five yeah. minutes or whatever, and uh, that's hard to get through. Um, even now, like I mean, I I listened to it this week, but like the last the last song, removed of the gray or removed from the grave, is like that's a really interesting song to me because it starts off with like some melodic guitar work and like you know there's there's different more interesting parts to it and um and that's that's the thing that i like the most about paramecium whereas i think exhumed was kind of more of a proof of concept for the band like i wouldn't say it's a demo because i mean it is in every sense of the word it is a doom metal masterpiece but like it's kind of like you're just getting the same thing over and over and over again and if you love that then that's great but like for me it wasn't enough to keep me like that interested in the band so like i went off of the band for a couple of years after that because i was like well that's a that's a cool interesting thing that i bought for five for four bucks you know yeah the the thing about doom metal is like even in like a secular market it's really not like a major genre and there's tons of bands that that do that genre but it's not it's not like it's never become a thing where it's become you know it's super big and like a you know i think neurosis might be the closest thing to like a massive sized band that does doom type stuff um and in the christian market especially i mean that's even that's that's a scarce list right there i know that there's a lot of bands that maybe haven't hit like a major successful uh record deal you know like where everyone like a tooth and nail type of thing where i think warlord was the closest thing to do metal that was um and 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 all the stuff i've ever heard really is coming from more of a punk edge than a than an actual like neo folk kind of uh you know gothic metal side like uh my dying bride or something like that you know and 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 so paramecium is like a weird a weird band all on its own because it's because it's first of all it's a band that was marketed as a christian band and i guess lyrically really kind of was a christian band um but in a market that even on the secular side really wasn't a big huge market you know what i mean so that genre was just so scarce and especially for christian music and like i said i don't i don't know I've always been a fan of the downtune, doom, sludge, whatever. It's always been front and center with my own guitar work and stuff. But I've never known that genre to be like well, well, you know, like a lot of people doing it or whatever. But, you know, like I said, Neurosis and and Warlord and things like that, High on Fire, you know, things like that have been more of my idea of like the Sabbath of now kind of doom stuff paramecium is almost like a death metal band that's ridiculously slow <laughs> so it's they're, they're all weird mix man i used to joke with people and say that like 
they're like, what does paramecium sound like? And I would be like, well, if you, it's like if you took Scrolls of the Megaloth and played it at like one fourth the speed. I always like back when they first came out, you know, like I, I was a fan of, of Jason Sherlock already from Morphication, and I loved Scrolls of the Megaloth. And I had gone to Creation Festival in '93, and uh, I was just like, just like my story on Vengeance, where I was in, was there in '92, and I was buying all the cassettes of like Scrolls and Vengeance, the released album and all that. Um, same thing this year. I was going there again. I was buying whatever was coming out, and I remember Post Momentary Affliction. I don't, I can't remember if it was out or it was just coming out. But um, the guy at the record booth was saying, yeah, Jason Sherlock just quit that band, and now he's doing this band called Paramecium. I remember being like, what? Oh, I was like so bummed out, because I loved Jason Sherlock. And so I was like, immediately I took that as a negative, like, oh, he's not in mortification anymore. And then, so my, my it, beginning... It was a negative. <laughs> do you think so? Really? You well, then, so? then I mean, he left mortification oh, oh yeah, that was definitely a negative for mortification yeah for sure. yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> but um that was my very first time ever hearing of paramecium and then it's all it all just sort of happened at the same time whereas like i came home and um we had a christian we have a christian radio station out here called w wjtl and uh there was an old christian metal show called thunder zone back in the day and it just so happened the exhumed was coming out and they played Judicial or Judas, however you said it, which I don't know which way to pronounce that. I think it's, I always called it Judicial. But anyway, that was like the single. And I think it was like the only song that was under five, six minutes. Yeah, it's a short so one. So that, was, that, that made it the single, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I remember thinking, like, okay, like, I, I get, I get that this is good, but like back then in 93 or whatever, I was not prepared for the slowness and the, and the, uh, I, I remember hearing people saying that like people would come to a paramecium show and they would just bring a chair with them like right. they would actually sit down and watch them not a bad idea it, it wasn't like you were in a mosh pit and and that kind of that part of the band kind of went over my head a little bit back then because I was more into the speed and the blast beats but I grew into them more and more as I as I got a little older and 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 exhumed as a as an album where I can go back now and actually appreciate it more now than then, whereas you interesting because you you started later, you got into them after the fact. I'm I'm surprised that that you find it as boring as you do. <laughs> well, um, it is boring. I mean, not to not to you know argue, but like it's it's boring in the sense that like some of these songs that go on for like ten minutes, it's like do they really are they interesting enough? to warrant 10 minutes like some of them aren't like especially the title track I, mean, I pick on that one a lot but like it goes on forever and yeah, a lot of it think- is just the same and I understand like that you're creating an atmosphere and that you're like showcasing like what the band is about like I understand all that like philosophically like you know that this is what they were doing I like I have no issue getting behind what they were doing but at the same time, like as a music fan, I'm kind of like, okay, this is cool, but like, this is it, like this is it for the next hour, and it's not really like that. Like at the end, they they switch it up quite a bit, and it's uh, it's interesting, you know, to hear kind of almost a more medieval sound because like I don't think that they were really gothic new metal at this point. Yeah. You know, they were definitely still more like like you said, it was like a it was like a death metal band. 
but it yeah. was it was uh, it was tremendously slow. Well, like uh, the unnatural conceptions, the first song on the album, it's 17 minutes long, as you mentioned. That song to me doesn't get boring. Like it, and that's the longest song. And and that one to me evolves, and and, it, and it's building something. And the riff that's kind of playing is kind of a really tough riff that just sort of like it gets ingrained in your head and then it kind of starts they start they start adding a couple notes to it and it, to me it, it, it's evolving into something big and then it goes into different it goes into different territories but it comes back toward at the end it almost you're almost like how many songs in are we and then it goes back to a sort of a the riff that was in the beginning of the song and you're like oh wait this is the same track and it's it's so it actually sounds like a couple different songs and, yeah. and so I actually would make the argument that Exhumed has really long. They all every record has songs that are really long in some way. But the difference with Exhumed for me is that there's no point where I go like, "Is this song still playing? Like, what are they doing? <laughs> like, you know what I mean?" And I know you're saying you kind of get that vibe from it, but for me, and and with the the 17 minute song which is like i said the first song on the album and there's a couple 10 minute songs on that but the 17 minute one is one of the most interesting ones for me and so i find that like you know and there might be a couple where i you know then voyage of the severed and hemorrhage of hatred are two songs that i have a lot of trouble getting through i i kind of i'll be honest with you I, as much as i love that there's this band called paramis and this doom metal band that has its has a christian marketed band it's got this death metal, one of the best death metal vocals I've ever heard. Absolutely. I would have to say that every single record they've done, there are some things I would have changed. And with Exhumed, it's definitely my favorite of their albums, of their full lengths. And it's definitely the one that got the closest to what I kind of would think. What makes Paramecium great to me is stuff like Injudicial, where it's like, it's just it's just sludgy, it's doomy, but it, it, it kind of just kicks you hard it's so heavy and his vocals are just completely insane and it just like when they get into the the folkier side of the band and the and the the girly uh sort of uh operatic vocals and stuff that stuff to me is great when you do a song like that but when you mix it up to me like 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 if I like I kind of wish Paramecium and I know I'm kind of I might be jumping ahead a little bit here but I kind of wish Paramecium would just do like 40 minutes of that heavy kind of stuff. Well they did you that. Almost, it's it's Exhumed to the Earth. <laughs> Exhumed to the Earth is definitely the closest where I think I think it's consistently heavy and death metal growly and all that kind of stuff. And I would say even the Silent Carnage demo. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the demo. Um, yeah, I am. I had it for a couple of years. It's definitely some of my favorite stuff because it's it's just it's just balls of the walls heavy. Well, they were you more know, death metal on that, and it's still got that sludgy tone of that first album, though. Like it, you know. And I know the Repentance EP is kind of like a. I know that they released some of the tracks on that too of that demo, but. But yeah, I think the demo in Exhumed is kind of like my favorite part of the band. Like that's when that they've sort of, and this is just like that Vengeance episode, you know. <laughs> Human Sacrifice is my favorite, and they slowly kind of change for me. But like I'm the same way with this band. I think Exhumed is like 
definitely their strongest. Even with the longest songs, like it's their strongest for me. Well, that's the general criticism of doom metal: is what are they doing exactly? Oh, they're, <laughs> they're creating an atmosphere. Okay, I got you. They're creating an atmosphere by playing very slowly. Uh, on one hand, a person might argue and say that it's boring because they're not doing anything. Well, that same person, on the other hand, would say that Between the Buried and Me is doing too much on Swim to the Moon. So which do you want? Do you want a 17-minute song of very slow, intense heaviness that you are forced to pay attention to? Or do you want 17 minutes of speed and technicality that you can't even keep up with? Right. Like I would, I would think you'd probably appreciate Paramecium a lot more if you really appreciate that folklore side of it, because because the the there's so much of that in the in the in the music that um if you come from it from the approach of I really love the uh, the operatic vocals and the like harpsichords and all the <laughs> you know all the different uh, cleaner stuff that they bring into it. If that's like more of what attracts you to this band, but you happen to be a metal fan, you'll you'll be more rewarded because when they really hit those metal moments, you're just like, wow, this is intense. Whereas I'm coming from the side of like, I I want them to just be heavy, and and uh, I love I love that I love that whole like mellow side for sure. I mean, like I love a lot of those kind of you know neo folky kind of like. Uh, gothy kind of I got a huge part of the music I love but I don't normally hear it mixed together with the death growls and stuff and so like um, it's confusing for me because it's like sometimes when I'm listening to Paramus I'm like just want to hear it just be sludgy and doomy and like these power riffs and then like then they'll get really clean and I don't know if it's Andrew that sing is the male singer that sings clean, but it, it just when he starts singing clean, I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> well, we've, we're beating we're beating around the bush, but yeah, let's talk about within the ancient forest. Yeah, let's get to that one, man, for sure. Well, before we talk about within the ancient forest, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the discography discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe it really helps us out it lets us know you're listening and now dan is going to tell us all about five star reviews uh we're really into reviews on discography discussion we just want to know what you guys want um let us know uh you can leave us reviews on apple podcasts you can leave us reviews on stitcher you can leave us reviews really anywhere where you can hear this podcast but most recently you can actually leave us reviews directly on facebook if you go to www.facebook.com slash discography discussion, you can leave us a review um, either in stars or uh, you can leave an actual written review um, or both. And uh, that's that's just one of those things that lets us know that you're listening and lets us know, you know how you feel about what direction we're going in. And if you have any suggestions, definitely reach out to us. I know a lot of people have been reaching out to us lately. And now Steven is going to tell us all about Unteachers. Unteachers at Bandcamp.com. Uh, we are the uh, the closest thing to doom metal 
in. <laughs> no, we're, we're really far from doom metal. <laughs> <laughs> we are the paramecium of today. Oh man! No. Oh wow! That's, Tall order. No, I'm kidding. I'm very, I'm very much kidding. There's Although a lot the of mud on those be, shoes, Stephen. Yeah, the next record maybe, maybe will be closer to that, but but not <laughs> not the one that's out now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to promote myself. Sorry. It's all good. <laughs> one of the new developments in 2018 is we did become members of the Amazon affiliates program. So we will be posting links to all the music we talk about in the show notes below. So if you're wanting to purchase any of the music or any of the albums that we talk about, just follow those links. It will take you directly to them. It does not change the cost for you, and we do get some kickback from that, and we appreciate that support. We'll talk about our Patreon subscribers at the end of the episode, Dan, but we did get some feedback on episode 55, Judas Priest with James Rolfe. Oh, yeah. We had a YouTube comment from Falco. Amazing job. Really loving this podcast. I gotta say, there are some bands that I can suggest. I mean, Budgie. I mean, Heavy Load. Wow, he's going old school. Yeah, he is. Maybe some Man of War and maybe Moss from Switzerland. And talking about the podcast, more than listenable. Thanks for discussing bands like Living Sacrifice or Circle of Dust. Cool. Thank you, Falco. Uh, We really appreciate you defending the Lilat system from the evil Andros in the Star Fox uh, video games. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll definitely take those suggestions. Uh, Every time you guys give us a uh, suggestion, we will definitely uh, put that on the master list. Don't know if we're going to get to it right away. Um, We've got, like, literally an infinite amount of bands to talk about, but if you give us a suggestion, we will do our best to try to get to it. Another YouTube comment from Matthew G. British Steel mixed with Defenders of the Faith. Rise to Ruins, so apt for this band and so good. For sure. Yeah, I'm still stuck on firepower to this day. Uh, AC tweeted at us, uh, when I first got the notification for this episode, I thought, did these fools seriously listen to and discuss every Judas Priest album? Still haven't gotten around to listening to Firepower. The way you guys describe it, I probably should do that soon. Shame on you, man. Absolutely, AC, you should. And I'm going to ask you about it at some point if you listen to it. So uh, be prepared to answer. (laughs) And thanks for listening to the show, man. We really appreciate hearing from you. Did you catch the new Judas Priest, Steven? I haven't heard it it personally, but I've heard about it, and I heard it's pretty good. But... um, I'm kind of weird. Like I only heard it. Like I'm only a fan of like the early stuff. I haven't really followed them like all the way through. So like I'm kind of like a. I need to be schooled a little bit. Well, you can go back and listen to our Judas Priest episode then. <laughs> well, I, I definitely <laughs> intend to. Is there a new record? What do you think of their new record? I love it, man. It's aggressive as hell. There's a lot of modern elements thrown in there, but not like in the bad way. It still sounds like Judas Priest. To me, it's kind of like the same modernization of the band that we had with Painkiller back in the day. You know, where they're like, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna step up from this like '80s glam thing and and become like you know, like a serious heavy metal band again and redefine it for a new generation." And I think Firepower does that. That's the new record, Firepower. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. I, I'm I'm curious because I just kind of like got out of that whole thing. Like you know, I'm. When I think of Judas Priest, I'm more of a fan of the older stuff. I never followed them the whole way through, and, but um, I'm, I always love when when a band from that era puts out something awesome. Like Iron Maiden still, 
you know, they're still kicking too. And his voice sounds pretty good still after all these years. So stay tuned for that. That's another epic one for you guys. Yeah. Travis <laughs> needs to put on a pot of coffee before we do that one. Is he going to be on it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That'll he's be... kind of like the guy you should have on that, I think. Within the ancient forest. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, this yeah. is almost neo folk. <laughs> It's very, very folky. It's very melodic. And we are singing old songs that were sang to us by our grandfathers around a campfire. I feel like I'm doing a preview of the Opeth episode as I speak. (laughs) This is the album that, in my my impression of Paramecium, that this is the one everyone goes to. Like, I mean, I guess Exhumed might be that way too, but I don't know. I feel like Within the Ancient Forest is kind of like this is where that band got two guitarists and like Jason Sherlock has now been in that in the band for a little a little while and I don't know am I wrong in thinking that this is the one like this is kind of everyone's favorite or or is it exhumed for most people I mean in my experience I think a lot of people lean towards exhumed um yeah I guess so like the hardcore metal heads yeah like and it's weird too because like we we always joke on the show about me being a closet meathead so yeah. like logically it would seem like that exhumed would be my favorite you know um and yeah. I do like exhumed and you know I it's kind of a trope of mine but like I mean I probably like within the ancient forest five percent more than I like exhumed <laughs> if that makes yeah, sense see, like this is this record just like everyone that I talk to that that is a fan of this band loves this album, but for some reason I can't really get into it. I don't. I don't. I think it's because it's the songs are shorter, and by shorter I mean eight or nine minutes, not seventeen. <laughs> but I mean, I think a nine-minute song is still a long song. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, there's there's so much to love about it. For one, I, I love the idea that that. Andrew had written a novel, some sort of a fantasy novel. I have never read the novel, which is of the same title, by the way. Well, that's the your problem. Wars. You didn't. You didn't read the book. Did Did you? <laughs> no, God no. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> Hell no, I, I didn't read the anyone book. Anyone who's even owned that book, or let, let alone read it, but and I, I'd love to track a copy down. I don't know if it, they ever pressed a bunch of it or or what, but it would be cool to 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 read it and to kind of uh, see. You know how it all connects to the to the album, but for me, to me, it was just like a, a an album that came out with a title like that. I didn't, to me, sure. I didn't I had no reference to the story at all. I know that's supposed to be connected, but um, uh, I do love, I I love everything about it in terms of the title and the artwork and the the idea of putting harpsichords and um, mixing all this like you know the operatic stuff. I love all those ideas. It's just something about the album. To me, this is my album where I kind of lose track of like, like I kind of like phase out. My ADD just kicks into gear hardcore on this one for me. And I don't know why. And I know there's great things about it, but I get bored. How can you have ADD and like exhumed to the earth? Uh, Anyway, uh, so... Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, doesn't make sense, man. Your story's falling this apart. Is like, Neither did that this fucking is, joke. <laughs> this is like the heart of anything you talk. Paramecium as a discussion is always going to keep coming back to which album bored you. <laughs> right. You know? Well, uh, we'll get to that one. But like oh, within within the ancient forest, I like because you've still got the same level of heaviness 
that you'd had on Exhumed. This is very much, in all, for all intents and purposes, the same band. And, like, what I liked about Exhumed, I was saying how I liked the last song, uh, Removed from the Grave, or, or and, like, because that song start, has, like, a flute in it, and, like, starts off melodically and everything. And, like, it leads into Within the Ancient Forest really well, because this is a record that has those doom metal riffs. It has that heaviness. I mean, when the band comes in full force on Within the Ancient Forest, it is still ball-bustingly heavy doom metal. And there's no, well, like, you can't, you can't really say that it's not. Yes, it has all those, el- all those different elements in it. And that, that's what I liked about it at the core of it, that you had eight or nine minute songs with so many different elements to them so i'm not getting a voyage of the severed anymore or a hemorrhage of hatred where it's just the same thing for 10 minutes now you've got nine minutes but there's melodic sections in there there's more i feel like there's more thought put into the songwriting yeah but here's the thing the songs on exhumed of the earth are really long the songs on on this album are not as long but by a few seconds they make them feel as long as the first album's songs. So if you take a nine-minute song and it feels like it's 17 minutes, what does that say about the song? Well, I don't think any of these songs sound like 17 minutes. I think... <laughs> that, that's... Maybe not literally 17 minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm comparing to the first album because 17 minutes is the worst-case scenario. You know? One of the biggest... But... <laughs> yeah, well, one of the biggest things with this record is that it's it definitely has a different tone to it. You know, this isn't Joe. You're a production guy, right? I like to consider myself the emperor of all things audio. What do you think of the production on this record compared to Exhumed? It sounds like an album recorded in 1996 that was very intentionally made to sound better and atmospheric. You know, I mentioned neo folk er- earlier. It very much sounds like somebody said, I want my metal album to sound like what I feel when I'm watching the interview with a vampire or when I'm reading Mary <laughs> Shelley's Frankenstein. I want it to sound like the 1600s. I, think I get that. I'm calling bullshit. I, I get what he means by that, but I guess what I'm asking is like, there was something crushing about the heaviness of the... And, and Exhumed, by the way, I didn't think Exhumed was a great produced album. There was, there was issues with that production, but it was at least really heavy. But with this one, I feel like the heaviness, the production of it doesn't really bring that heaviness out like it could. Have. Well, if you have a badass sound system at home like I do. No. Uh, so <laughs> the uh, <laughs> that's like every record label's excuse for if a record sounds like shit. Yeah, I've listened. Um, I listen to all these albums out of my laptop speakers. <laughs> see, I, no, I'm that's, kidding. I'm that's, kidding. That's kind of funny, though, because if you did like just in the car or whatever, I actually did. Um, normally, I only use my sound system for vinyl. But unfortunately, I don't have vinyl copies of this record. So, hey, come on, guys. Well, like, if you let's... play any CDs out of a, out of like a same setup as like a, like if you have a, like the old stereo speakers and a yeah, it sounds, stereo receiver, it sounds, it's gonna sound awesome. It yeah. did, it did. And yeah. So I didn't like. Actually, the funny thing about Exhumed is that Exhumed was so fucking bass heavy that like I had to turn the bass down on my system because it was like. It's sounding really bad. Like the vibrate, the vibrations were yeah. like really noticeable. So I had to, I had to scale those back on Exhumed, and then I could t- I turn it back up on uh, 
within the ancient forest. So, I mean, I guess from that perspective, it's it sounds heavier, but like I hear when I when I hear this record, like when the band really kicks in full force. Now, I like I feel like it's just as heavy as it ever ever had been, but at the same time, you know, th- these songs weren't written with heaviness in mind necessarily. Like there are heavy parts, but it's not the focus. Whereas on Exhumed, it was the focus, and here it's like the the heavy parts are there simply to contrast the more melodic elements. Yeah, and, and the playing is different in the sense that like it's. I, w- I wouldn't say it's like gothic metal. Like it, I don't think that these first two records really hit that gothic metal thing, which is why I threw out the bullshit comment on the Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and the 1600s and stuff <laughs> interview with the vampire because I don't hear that. Like I definitely I knew what he hear meant by that though. No, I get it. I mean, yeah, I mean, we all have different names for what we're referencing, but we're, what we're referencing is the gothic kind of um, overtones of of the album and i and i i would say this is probably them at their peak ironically as i can say it, that it kind of bores me in some areas and that there's songs where i find like it loses my attention i do think that it's at their strongest point as a band because it it sounds like they've been they've been playing together and it you know it's tight and it's it's it's, it's probably their most ambitious album you know their whole discography yeah and i know that like it's Obviously, opinion is subjective. Enjoyability is subjective to, you know, each of us as individuals. But I do feel like, like in a kind of a factual sense, that the mm-hmm. songwriting on Within the Ancient Forest is better than the songwriting on Exhumed. Regardless of how I feel about Exhumed, I have to admit that the songwriting had a lot more thought put into it on Within the Ancient Forest, and a lot more thought went into the tone. And the tone is... The tone is medieval to me. It's it's medieval pre Renaissance. Totally medieval. That's a great reference, uh, and and I agree with you. Um, um, this is so random to, to point this out, but it's like when people talk about like Weezer, you know, and they go like, "Well, what's the best Weezer album?" Like some people go like, "Well, I love the Blue album." And other people are like, "I love Pinkerton," you know, and it's like Pinkerton I'm the is guy the who factually says, correct I think, answer. I think what's that? <laughs> I said Pinkerton is the factually correct answer. No, and, and I was just going to say, I think Pinkerton is, songwriting-wise, the best thing they've written, but I still think Blue is my favorite. Sure. And you can have a favorite, and and you can acknowledge a favorite and a, and a best of as two separate albums. Absolutely. And so with, and I, and with Pure, completely, <laughs> I know we just talked about Weezer in a Paramecium conversation, that's totally random, but, but my point is, 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 I think this is their best record in terms of songwriting, but I think that that because I'm looking for the doomier, heavier, like sludgier stuff, that Exhumed is clearly going to be the record for me. And and because I find that the riffs and the, the kind of musical style that they went with with that, and maybe because it's not quite as ambitious, and so therefore it, it becomes more of the stripped down and the, and the it's more about the riff toughness, you know? I, I found Exhumed to be my ancient forest. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I... But, but I get what you mean. I, like I said, it's definitely their most ambitious. It's definitely their most musically diverse, and it's like like they got a freaking harpsichord for crying out loud. That's pretty intense. Hell yeah! <laughs> I, I think that's that's pretty rare to find in 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 metal. No, I just I mean I I agree with you, but I I just find that like in an enjoyment factor, you know, this is like, you know, going back to that Weezer reference, like the Blue album is like my favorite, and 
exhumed this kind of like my blue album. <laughs> I gotcha. You know what I mean? It's my green album because it had like the disc I have for exhumed is like the the CD is solid green. <laughs> the it's, green. <laughs> it's really weird. That's funny. Green, green album reference. Well, and my copy of my copy of uh, Exhumed is independently released, as far as I can tell, because it oh, doesn't. Man, you're have, sitting on a gold mine, I think. With I that. probably am. I'd probably, I'm probably sitting on like 500 bucks or something. But like, but don't sell it. <laughs> I would never sell it. Up. I would never sell yeah, it. But like, um, I would love a vinyl re-release, Andrew, if you're listening. Um, so oh, I th- I would love it if they could put some. I'd love in all of it, man. Great. I'd love it all on wax. But anyway, well, I don't know about all of it, but we'll get well, there. Well, okay. So <laughs> let's talk about the last thing I'll say on this record is Andrew's singing. He clean. He's he he sings on this record. He doesn't just growl the whole time, and that's interesting to me um, that that he was able to pull that off because I don't really remember hearing it in Exhumed, and it was. It was really interesting to me to hear to hear that dynamic from the band, and it's something that they would explore further later on. But um, you know, what did what did you think of Andrew singing on uh, within the Ancient Forest? I've never been a fan of any of his singing, but I would say that within the Ancient Forest, because it's a tighter band and it's kind of at their where they've been playing for a little bit as with the lineup that was on the last one from what i'm understanding i think that it it's it doesn't come off as as bad i mean we can agree he's not a great singer he's just kind of almost almost talking his way through he's not amazing yeah but and i get and i get that the style is it's fitting for what for what the kind of darkness vibe that they're bringing to this you know like and again that neo-folk kind of vibe but but i mean i think he's the least out of key on this album yeah, so that's a really good segue into a time to mourn. Whew. 1999, a okay. time to mourn. This one's only 40 minutes, because what the hell? Uh-huh. I love that about it. I, that's one of my favorite parts about it. You like that it's brief? I, I'll be honest with you, whether whether you are a, a power a power uh, violence kind of band and you have like 30 second songs and you have 50 of them on your album... Or if you have four songs, I don't want your album to be longer than forty minutes. Yeah, I feel you. Because I just I lose I lose my attention at forty minutes, no matter how awesome you are. You know what I mean? So let's be honest. This is not the same band that put out within the Ancient Forest. No, this is a a complete departure uh, lineup wise. This is um, Andrew Tompkins and Friends. Well, Ian Ark. Arkley, is that how you say Ian it? Arkley from Seventh, from Seventh Angel. Angel. Yep, and Action now, Mortality. Seventh Angel's a pretty cool band, so absolutely, I'll give it, I'll give it that. I mean, there, there's a, there's a, despite the lineup change, I'm really disappointed that Jason Sherlock's not on this. Yeah, you can but, tell um, too. You can tell definitely. The tones on this one seem kind of more like a stoner rock production, less of a metal production. Ian Arkley, He's kind of like a superstar in the Christian doom scene. If, is there a Christian doom scene? Um, I don't think there really is. I don't is think much there is. This but is like, <laughs> so, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Seventh Angel. Like, I mean, I still listen to The Torment every now and again. And, mm-hmm. um, and I love it. Great record. Yeah, it is. And so the thing is, is though, like with Ian Arkley, is that he also did a doom project called uh, Ashen Mortality mm-hmm. um, a few years later. And it was not all that different from Paramecium in the sense that it was, you know, slow, doomy metal with 
operatic female vocals and stuff. And um, mm-hmm. I actually really like those Ash and Mortality records. Um, however, Ian Arkley's version of doom metal tends to um, lean more towards the gothic side and, and more, um, more, more kind of the dramatic. And um, that is heavily apparent on A Time to Mourn. Um, his tone is, you know, because I said I didn't hear gothic. That's the big difference on this record is it lost its like medieval vibe. Right. It, it's Paramecium has now ventured into the era of the of the doom that I'm familiar with, which is like I said, going into the neurosis and the warlords and the and the um, you know the more modern, very well into the 90s. In fact, the very end of the 90s at this point. Um, kind of production i bought this album at cornerstone when it came at cornerstone 99 i bought this album at the at the merch booth and it was uh i don't are you guys familiar with world against world the uh the, the band that was out there i feel the time like i world? know i feel like i know the name but not well they were a punk band called spud gun okay and then they became world against world and then they became orchrist which was like a black metal band but anyway they were they were kind of like known in the scene with like the you know like the the signed bands that would play cornerstone and stuff anyway we we hung out with them they were kind of the gothy uh crust metal doomy metal band uh of the time them and warlord and we were all hanging out and we i had just bought this album we we were jamming it and kind of all digging it at the time and i remember we were all our our consensus view was that it, it reminded us of like less of a medieval paramecium and more of like a like a, I don't want. I'm definitely not saying a hardcore doom. I'm, but definitely more of a modern '90s, less of a metal, more of a rock version. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, because these songs have choruses, believe it or not. Yeah, and and like like literally like stoner rock riffs. <laughs> like, yeah, listen to I'm, like, not, I'm not to blame. To blame yeah, oh, nice. yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, it's like a. This is my second favorite album from them. Interesting. I know that's probably weird. You, over you guys over were, forest. Were, I, I find that the songs, and, and I think a lot of this again, is the production. I think this is still heavier sounding to me than than that other one. That's I mean, it, Joe. Shut off the Skype. It's over. No, <laughs> no. Um, I mean, I'm not to blame. I love the first song, a moment. I think the, I mean, just the musical arrangement of it, and uh, you know, live for the day as a, is a really good one. Those are my two favorites. I'm not to blame, and live for the day are my favorite. Yeah, and, and this is this is not a great you know what honestly i would say ancient forest songwriting songwriting wise is way better i mean for sure but i just like again when you put on a record you push play and you just want to like listen to something this one has a tone to it that 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 is interesting to me i like it's just a fan of like again the the down tempo sludgy kind of like um down tune kind of tone of a guitar like this one has more of that for me it's not as crushing metal sounding as the exhume stuff but i found the production worked for the guitar vibe better on this one for me well i think you could enjoy this record for the same reason that a zeo fan likes parade of chaos it's not that it sounds oh man extremely metal but there's something about it that is listenable and I think for the casual fan of the more extreme metal, who probably doesn't like doom metal for the sake of being doomy, could listen to this and find something 
less extreme to enjoy. But if you're a fan of Paramecium yeah. and you're in on the last two records, I could see you having the same reaction to buying this as Dan had to buying Risk. Fuck you. What the fuck is this? This, this the music is <laughs> I don't want to talk there. about it's Risk. Still like the medieval vocals and the, um, you know, like that folky kind of gothy thing. It's still the female operatic vocals. It's still there. I think the production changes it a little bit and makes it sound the combination of the production and the fact that this is where we start to wane. It's not, it doesn't sound like the, the band. This sounds like, um, like you said, the Andrew and, and company, um, version and the, the product, the drummer isn't as, is good in my opinion. Um, it starts to wane a little bit as far as a band, but I think that, I think this is one of those examples of when it's great, it's great. And when it's not, it's not, it's just, you know, the production is what I think makes it sound the most different. That and the band lineup changes. I don't think that it's, like, the songs necessarily that bother me. There's one thing that ruins this record for me. The singing. Yeah, and that was, like, we were we were getting to that with the out-of-tune singing a little bit. Yeah. It's not a little out-of-tune. It's... I get what they were going with, you know, the idea of, like, I'm the growling guy who... Uh, when I break from it, it's it's kind of like the um, moody kind of clean vocal thing. It's very moody, and I get what he's going for. And it's not supposed to be like, oh, I'm singing great. You know, it's supposed to be moody and 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 in in line with the doom kind of thing. But but when it's out of tune, it's just. It's just hard to listen to. It sounds cheesy in a lot of places. Like he's trying to sound more. Um, uh, I don't know. Like it, like he's trying to sound more doom than he really is. Like it's like it's that gothic mm-hmm. thing that I don't like about it. Really is is this idea of just like there's parts where he's just like I date. Like it's just there's a song uh, called Betray. Uh, yeah, there's a song uh, called. Yeah, it's just like, dude, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, open your lips a little more. <laughs> Betrayed again. That song is an automatic skip for me every single time. He comes in. I've been betrayed again. I was like, fuck it. I, you know, I'll skip right past it because I just, I'm yeah. not willing to listen to that for five minutes or six minutes or or whatever. And it, the weird thing about me too is that he had Ian Arkley, who's a really good doom metal singer. So I'm surprised that like Ian didn't do this, some of the singing parts. Like <laughs> you, you've got all the tools you need to succeed, man. Like, but I also understand being an asshole lead singer that you know it's it's my job to do the singing. You know, <laughs> like I get that part of it. You actually just hit on why I don't like doom metal. It sounds moody and fucking boring. It sounds like the band had to show up and practice, and nobody wants to be there. So we're just going <laughs> to sludge fucking through it. And all right, Dan, were you going to sing the lyrics here? Yeah, sure, man. I don't know, maybe. Uh, it's like, uh... Well, do you, do you like Neurosis? Oh, yeah, I like Neurosis. Like, like I, feel, I feel like Neurosis mellowed out a lot in that sort of, like, uh during the aughts i guess is how you say yeah. um but like you know through silver and blood was like a wall of doom and sludge and like just tribal chaos or whatever and then like they kind of phased out and they they started doing 
the same kind of thing as this, where they're like singing the same way. And um, I think Neurosis produced was produced way better and and performed way better. But but I mean, they had this sort of like droning, like where are these songs going? Kind of a vibe um, that kind of lost my attention. But or maybe people, you, you almost feel like. I don't get this because people think this is amazing, but I'm just not connecting to it. I, sorry, I just think through Silver and Blood is way better than this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, that's kind of how I think about with this with this stuff. It's like, it's like, you know, I get what they're trying to do with that with that clean vocal and that that like uh, droning kind of like slow or whatever. But like, without the heaviness for me, it. I can kind of like zone out of that completely. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're welcome for the track skip, by the way, Dan. Yeah, Joe, the song Betrayed Again came on like right after I got done saying what I was saying, and Joe immediately skipped it for me. <laughs> In this recent revisit, I, I hadn't listened to Paramecium at all for a couple years, at least. I mean, maybe Exhumed fit in there a little bit but i definitely didn't do their whole discography and in fact echoes from the ground isn't even a record that was on my radar at all because i mean i just didn't uh, i don't know why i just never i never owned it i never really got into it um but going back this for this conversation you know and freshening up on my hearing the albums again i kind of heard them in a new light and time to mourn was one of the albums after exhumed that i skipped the least i just kind of like let it wash over me and, and found it to be i think i think some of what helps that is that it's not as long and it's just you yeah, know it sure. kind of gets in and gets out and it doesn't overstay its welcome too much whereas uh some of the other albums kind of felt like they were just really long you know and yeah well why don't you guys um, go ahead and tell me about echoes from the ground because i don't have it it's not on streaming i haven't heard it echoes from the ground in my opinion, and I don't mean to be super disrespectful to this band, is uh, absolute shit. <laughs> to be completely honest with you. All right, we're going to go back to Exhumed of the Earth for okay, this one. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you compare those two records, if you if you just skip the two in the middle and go like beginning and end, like the bookends of their discography, it's it's night and day. Honest to God, it's just it's just like. Who? What is going on here? What is this? This band—they sound like a high school band trying to do a doom metal album on cool, this album. Cool lyrical concept behind this record, and that God—that's the only good thing I have to say about it. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't. What the heck, man? Like, first of all, it's literally sloppy. Like it, the—they're not even playing tight on the album. Like you can hear the drums and the guitars completely playing in different times. Like out almost of sync, like yeah. It's out of sync. Um, the production is awful. It there's nothing heavy about it. And when it finally does break into a few heavy moments, you're like, oh yeah, like <laughs> totally like, independent you. release. Thank you for doing this finally. So do you guys remember what I said earlier about nobody wanted to be a band practice? Yeah. yeah, the sound guy doesn't well, want to again, be here either. Again, yeah. though, this isn't even the same Paramecium that was on A Time to no. Mourn. This is still just Andrew and company. And even the vocals weren't, I don't think, were as good as they were, you know. Oh, no, they're the worst. They're in the most out of key on this. I didn't notice the out of key is bad on Time to Mourn. I know that it, it's there, but it, but it didn't, like, hit me in, over the head like a frying pan. 
Yeah. Whereas this one was like, like offensively out of key, like to the point where I was like, like, this is bad. Like, what did they, why would they put this out like this? Like they, they've been so good. Why, why would they do this? <laughs> you know, this is the released upon the earth of their discography for sure. This is not great. And like, that's, that was the most disappointing thing for me because this record took me actually a little while to track down. And I, because I had gotten, um, like I said, I got Exhumed for four bucks. And then I found, like, I was at a local place in St. Louis that sells used CDs. And they had, I bought all kinds of amazing Christian metal in their hodgepodge section for like a buck each. Mm-hmm. And so I got, like, Within the Ancient Forest for a buck. I got um, a Titan to Mourn for a buck. You know, I got wow, all this stuff. Man. And, wow. And the cool thing about it was that, like, they, it was, um, yeah, I got a lot of other really cool stuff too, but like, you know, for those records being as good as they were to get them for so cheap was amazing. But like, I think I actually ordered, um, I ordered Echoes from the Ground, like, either from the band directly or it was from like Nordic Mission or something. So, like, I paid like 15 bucks for the record and then like, another like at least 15 or 20 for the shipping so for all the money i saved on their uh, previous discography i really got screwed in that deal it it just feels like an incomplete album it's there's seven tracks and this is probably the shortest album for a full length i mean this doesn't count eps and demos this is this is their their shortest full length but it feels to me the longest one to get through. Well, it's just, it's not interesting. Like it, you hear a lot of, like the, he does a lot of talking, like he's reading a script or something through it. And, you know, like it, again, the lyrical concept is kind of cool, but like the the execution of it is just, is not great. And like- I don't remember. Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, and like they, they're not, um, they're not tight on this one, and like e- even even in the parts of the record where they try to go old school paramecium and play like a you know kind of a doomy you know blunt kind of thing, you know it's it's usually performed sloppily, and, and it it's doesn't just weak. It doesn't have yeah, the heaviness of that. There's no stuff. interest in it. Like I, I hear it, I hear the songs, and they just they just fly by me like a crumbled up piece of paper. You know, like it's just it, there's the, nothing the, with it that sticks to me. I don't remember if it was the first track or the second track. Somewhere within the first three tracks, I think it was the second track, Over the Sea. I, I, I could be wrong, but there was a song on there that literally droned on and on and on, and it did nothing but the same riff the entire time. Right. Like, to the point where I was like, this is going nowhere. This is literally just, this. it's like on repeat mode. It's doing absolutely nothing. This is where I go back to, okay, you have a 17-minute track on Exhumed. That song, if you're if you're just letting it wash over you and you're just kind of like it's just playing and you're walking around sweeping the floor of your house or whatever, you'd be like, wait a minute. This is the same song? I thought this kind of was moving on to like – I thought the songs were just connecting and they were doing like – this was like three songs in. With this song – it was like, oh my god, when are you gonna stop playing this riff over and over again? And I, I feel like it's just been like a half an hour. Skip and you it. Look and you're yeah. like, <laughs> and it's like it's like seven minutes. Yeah. Is this another example of a album that got a pass because of what it is or who it is? Yes. 
Well, I mean, I don't. I know nothing about it in terms of its success or or how much how many people even knew about it. I know that the band. Here's the crazy thing: the band, like Jason Sherlock, came back right after this. Yeah, because they did like a short reunion, or I don't know if what what you would call it, where they they promoted the band and before the band became in exordium or whatever, they they actually got Sherlock back and. And I, I can't imagine Sherlock wanting to play this. <laughs> you know? Well, and I, I think the fact that this isn't available anywhere. It's very, yeah, it's not a very well-known. You can pull up on Apple Music or Google Play or whatever streaming service you use, and you can get Exhumed to the Earth. You can get uh, Within the Ancient Forest. You can get A Time to Mourn. You can even get the Repentance EP. But there's no mention of this album. Yeah, so it's like they had to have been self-aware of that to an extent. Yeah, it's 2004 too when it came out. It's a very weird time for them. I, I, it's like I don't even know if people were paying any attention at that point. Like, uh, you know, uh, they're not a big. They stayed in Australia. That's there's a big thing there. I mean, you know, I, I had the pleasure of interviewing Jason Sherlock, and. The one thing that he said to me that shocked me was that he said, I never left Australia. And I thought, man, you've been on these these legendary albums and you never freaking left Australia. <laughs> you know? yeah, it, I, I would have thought he had toured around all over, maybe, you know, especially North America. I thought he would have gotten here at least once. He's never left Australia. This band is, is purely an Australian band. So, I mean, they, they've, I think that the combination of, um, not being on a, a label like REX and not having, you know, a consistent, uh, yeah, a band that's working throughout the you know ten twelve years. I think you know this. There was a lot of hiatuses and breakups between. This is like they just got together two thousand four. You know, a, another one of them hired gun deals where it's like, okay, I'm going to do a record with some guys here. I have and it, it just really. This is where it really to me. Is like a, the combination of, of you know, I mean, I may say like, well, the songwriting is great on Ancient Forest, but the production for me really was waning, or you know, whatever you want to say about those other ones. This one, all of the things that I don't like are all at the same time. Like it, it's it's bad songs, it's it's bad production. The songs are too long, and yet they're the shortest songs. Right. You know, that's bad. For a doom metal band, that's really bad. <laughs> if your if your doom metal song is six minutes long, but I just thought I listened to it for fifteen minutes, you got a problem. And this one just this is terrible for me, honestly. We we agreed on something. Oh my god! I'll be honest with you, I couldn't even get through it all. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean I've I've listened to it a bunch of times because purchase justification. And <laughs> really, I got to listen to fifteen dollars worth of this. <laughs> there's got to be, there's got to be something good, right? But no, I gave up on it. And a lot of the, it's weird too, because whenever we first started this discography, like the idea of doing an episode on Paramecium, I kind of almost forgot about that one. Because I was like, yeah, yeah. you know, um, it's only three records. It should be a real short episode, you know. Like I was thinking all that. And what's funny too is we talked about Exhumed for so long before we did the actual intro to the show that uh what i think is funny about that is that there's uh there's this old set of rules on this website called metal hammer it was like the 196 rules of doom metal and uh one of the rules was 
never let the listener know if it's an intro until you absolutely have to. <laughs> so we're, awesome. we're we're following the rules of doom metal with this episode, which I think is hilarious. That is awesome. So what would be your final thoughts on Paramecium, Stephen? Uh, my final thoughts are that with every Paramecium album, I feel like there's something that they're they're like getting close at but they they're never fully realized for either a production issue or a songwriting issue or mixing a gothic vocal with a with a heavy song you know or you know what i mean it, there there's i kind of wish that the band would just get back together write 40 minutes of music whether that's two songs or that's 12 songs i don't care write 40 minutes of music and then get a producer to really get that heaviness out of you and take what's strong about those albums and just do a good album where they're like, you know what, we've, we're stepping back, we're looking at our discography, and we've never really nailed it fully, and now we're going to. That would, that would be what I wish would happen. And um, yeah, the songs have their potential. They just overstay their welcome a lot, you know, the, Albums feel too long in some areas. Um, I guess that's I guess that's it. I mean, the idea of Paramecium is is a lot better than than the end result. I think. And um, if I were to recommend anything about them, I would say Exhumed of the Earth for sure. Um, and their for and their demo or, or the Repentance EP because because you can hear those early songs. That's really the Paramecium that I like is that era for sure. Dan, what about you? I like Paramecium because they were kind of what got me into like this death doom metal type music. And, uh, you know, these kids listen to these days and, uh, no, like I really, I really enjoyed what I heard on exhumed. I enjoyed what I heard on forest wavered a little bit on, uh, on a time to mourn for me, but not enough for me to like hate the band or think that they sucked or that they sold out or whatever, you know, like it wasn't anything like that. It just, I just preferred the sound of the first two records. Um, and it, in my mind, the fourth record doesn't exist. So that's easy for me to get past. Except that we're on record talking about it. Well, yeah, but I only have to do that once, right? <laughs> then it's recorded forever. I don't Unless Joe cuts it out. I don't ever have to talk about it again. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, I, I, the other thing I would add real quick is I, I wish Andrew Tompkins would have sang for Mortification. <laughs> yeah, no shit. For at least... At least after scrolls for Blood World on, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought I thought Steve was pretty good on PMA, but um, it did start getting weird on that one. Well, he started doing the clean vocals, and he was being more. He was trying to make it sound more live than the layered. Like scrolls was like super layered, but yeah. like Andrew Tompkins, he's really good at making it sound layered with like one vocal. <laughs> yeah, he's his, extreme. His, he has a freaking awesome death metal vocal. One of the best, I think. Yeah. And that shouldn't be understated with the fact that we can criticize the music and stuff. And I get that he was he was doing these something a little bit more musical than than just straight heavy. But the dude's vocals, I would love to hear him on a on a, a balls to the walls heavy sludgy doom record. It would just be fantastic. Exhumed. Sorry, no, but, but I mean, but like, like, uh, like a like new ten one, yeah, judicials in a row, right? <laughs> you know what I mean, right? You just want to hear him play death metal. I get it. Um, yeah, but uh, Joe, do you have a final thought on Paramecium? I am not a fan of doom metal. 
I will listen to it for a laugh, but if you want me to sit here and tell you that I think Paramecium is the greatest band in the world, I just can't do it. I have to be honest with myself as well as you, the listener, and my co-hosts. So I will say this. For the metal fan who wants to hear something different, if you're a fan of Doom, you can pick up any of the first three releases of this band and you will be entertained. For the non-Doom fan pickup within the Ancient Forest, you will be entertained. If only for the Neo... What word did I say earlier? Folk, folk medieval. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If bullshit. only for the neo-folk entertainment value, because I've listened to Doom, and I know Doom's thing is about atmosphere, and Within the Ancient Forest gives you a very interesting atmosphere. And if you're looking for the neo-folk thing with Christian music, and that's a really rare genre, I would say the uh, revolutionary army of the infant Jesus is something you want to track down, for sure. Ooh. Would that be your album of the week? That's a mouthful. Uh, I'm not listening to it this week, but I'll I'll definitely use that as my album of the week. I mean, shout out to that band for sure. They're they're really awesome. Can you say the name sort of, of it one more time? Because that was a lot. The Revolutionary Army of the Infant Jesus. Wow. They're they're kind of hard to track down, but there's been some reissues lately of their albums. They're okay. They're they're from the 80s, but they're like of oh, that they're like that gothy neo folk weird sort of like thing that doesn't even sound like it would ever be christian but it is Interesting. And, uh, but they don't have like a metal tone to them at all i'm just saying if you're into that side of it if you're looking for that side of it paramecium isn't really enough of either well, our <laughs> like buddy, they're not enough of the full metal or the neofolk they're kind of like a mix <laughs> my buddy mike who might be on an episode coming up soon uh would really be into that what's your album of the week dan oh my album of the week Ooh. without looking at your phone uh, I'm not. My phone's on the floor. I just threw it on the floor. <laughs> there you go. Uh, my album of the week is still Life by Opeth. I'm supposed to listen to all the records, but that's the one I keep getting stuck on. For me, it's Genghis Tron, Board Up the House. Oh, that's a good wow. one. I, I've, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. <laughs> one of my coworkers swears talking about albums that live on your top 10 and will always stand on their own swears by Genghis Tron. And I listened I to it to a couple times. Yeah, I haven't, that's a band I, I couldn't tell you like what I think of them. It's been so long, but I that's a, a name that from the past for me. They haven't done anything new recently. So I mean they're still They've yeah, never done anything school. other yeah, than still, that one thing. They only yeah. had that one record, so they have that industrial thing going on where they have one record and then five remix records, from right. what I can find. Yeah, yeah. There's a band called Backworld, too, by the way. That's also kind of in that sort of neo-folky, gothy, Christian thing. I'm only name dropping because it's like, so rare that there's even these kind of bands at all that are that are in the Christian market. Backworld, though, uh, there's an album called Holy Fire, and another one called Come the Bells. Those two, those two records are like. Like if you took the death metal out of Paramecium, and you had like way more musically gothy kind of things, like it's sort of that stuff. So I don't know if you guys are interested in that stuff. I- I'm super into that su- that side of it. Just dropping some names for your listeners there. <laughs> Perfect. Very unmetal of me. Well, if they're listening to this episode, then they are your listeners also. There Steven. you go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you guys had me back so soon from the Vengeance episode. It must have been the high ratings. Absolutely, you know. 
I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I just bought a new car based on all the revenue from that episode. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, that's funny. Me and Roger Martinez are best friends now, you know. No, like, I, I, I am the tie that binds. There you yeah. go. All right. Well, we want to thank everybody for downloading and listening to this podcast. And on that note, this has been episode 57 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Keep your eye on that page. If you are not one, we're getting ready to do something special for only $1. Steven Sorrow and Unteachers can be found on Bandcamp and on Facebook. Be sure to pick up their new record. What's the name of that record, Steven? A Human Comedy. It's been out for a few years, but it's probably new to everybody else but me. The happiest man in the world. <laughs> Every disease has its cure.